would you want the lobsters like right up in your chest <laughs> like that? A lobster stuffed leather jacket. <laughs> He's got a baguette and a lobster. I hope it's not a live lobster. Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. <laughs> it's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs, episode 37, and we're covering Dead in the Water. Season today. 8, episode 2 of Midsummer Murders. Yep. Midsummer Maniacs is a podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. Woohoo. I gotta say, right off the top, this is not an A-team episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's some good bits in it, but the plot is not one of them. Yep. So uh, just as a warning off the top, if you let your kids watch the show, they can listen to the podcast. But if the show is too much for your kids, maybe the podcast is too. If, if rowing is just an overwhelmingly violent thing for them and or, they can't handle it. Or Tom and, and Joyce watching porn. <laughs> We said it right there <laughs> off the top. We'll say it again. Yep. Okay, so before we dive in, we got a couple of announcements. If you haven't heard about it, Midsummer, uh, their official account on Facebook and the Instagram, are going to be releasing something uh, they call the official ultimate global top 50 episodes. And that starts today. The official the, ultimate global? Yes. Top official 50? ultimate global top 50. So this is, uh, they ask folks to submit their five favorite episodes, and then the Midsummer people, the official global Midsummer people, official uh, compiled all of ultimate. those submissions <laughs> into one ultimate list of the top 50 Midsummer episodes ever. Yes, and they're going to start to release what those episodes are on the 27th of April, which is the day this is released. Wow. So people should go and check it out and see if yes. you agree with their official ultimate global list. Uh, we will certainly be doing a review of said global list on the next episode. Yeah. Well, I wonder how they'll release it, though, if they'll release like one at a time, like number 50. Well, if it's number 50, then we'll we'll review 50 to 43. Yeah. The next time we meet. So. <laughs> And our second announcement is uh, we've made friends. <laughs> <laughs> you say that like we have no friends <laughs> or like we've actually met these people and have become friends. Yes, it's, <laughs> neither of those things have happened. But we did find a another podcast. I would even go so far as to say a sibling podcast of it's ours. It's lovely. It's called Love Joy Actually. Yes. And it's run by three ladies, M, Paul and Helen, who are transfixingly happy they are so funny yes <laughs> they are joyous people they're super funny uh they like their prosecco yeah certainly uh and they're doing the same thing we're doing and have been for a long time yeah they, but they're doing it for the show love joy yes starring ian mcshane mcshane who i always want to say mckellen yes <laughs> that'd be very different ian McKellen. Show. <laughs> remember we had that problem in the episode where we called him ian mckellen yes. the whole episode and yes. then i had to find a picture of ian mcshane <laughs> and ian mckellen together so that we knew they were different people yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're obviously different people 
Never mind that all week, every time I've been thinking about Love Joy, actually, which I've been listening to because it is so good. It's an awesome podcast. I keep wanting to call it Lovecraft, actually. <laughs> That's a completely different podcast. Just imagine the Love Joy show, but with tentacles and dark magic or something. <laughs> It's because we watched Color of Space. He's a divvy. <laughs> it's because we watched Color of Space, that Nicolas Cage purple movie. Oh, God. <laughs> and Whoa. it's invaded my brain. It invaded something. Lovejoy actually is a great podcast. It has no tentacles in it, as far as I know. <laughs> None at all. You should definitely give it a listen. And they're doing a great thing on... May 16th, this is a Saturday of this year at 8 p.m. GMT. So that's like, who knows what that is, EST. Yeah. Like one in the afternoon or something. They're doing a Lovejoy lockdown quiz. Oh. So what they're doing is a fundraiser for Royal Trinity Hospice in London. Do you know why they're doing the Trinity, that, that hospice? No. Because that's where Dudley Sutton passed away. Oh, okay. Who, and Dudley Sutton plays Tinker. Yes. One of our favorite characters of that show. Yeah. So uh, I guess their shop can't be open now. So they're looking for ways to raise money. And the ladies of Lovecraft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you said Lovecraft, actually. You almost said it. <laughs> <laughs> and the ladies of Lovejoy, actually. Are doing a trivia contest, so you got to pay to enter this trivia contest. And I, I think it's a Lovejoy trivia contest. Yes, unless something disastrous happens, we will be joining this competition. You think so? Huh? Yeah, we got to study up. Then it's been a while since I've watched some of the later seasons. Oh, wow. Where can people go to find out more about this event? Uh, either their Facebook page, their Instagram page. Or just search Lovejoy, actually, and uh, you'll find all of their information. They're doing a great job getting their information out. And we definitely want to promote this event. It is live on YouTube. And uh, their little ad says, not at Felsham Hall. <laughs> it's also a really fun podcast. Yes. If you, if you like Lovejoy, if you remember watching it, you really should give it a listen. It's and really they, fun. They release every second Wednesday. Mm. All right. So this episode, our episode. You ready for Dead in the Water? Dead in the Water is filmed June and July 2004. Broadcast date 17th of October 2004 with 9.13 million views. Directed by Rennie Rye. I'd never heard of that person before. And written by Douglas Watkinson. This entire episode is just an excuse to go to a regatta. Yes. I'm saying it right now. As we talk about this episode, you're going to hear a few themes occur. One is, what the hell day is it? What the <laughs> hell day is it? <laughs> Though, I, I do think I have that figured out. I'm sure you'll disagree with me, but I do think I have it figured out. The other uh, big theme I keep running into is, and, and why did she do it? Yes. Like, yes. what is her motive? Yes. Because, uh, spoiler, Claire Bonavita is the killer, and but we can't figure out why. No! <laughs> Her face is so wide, that's why she kills people. Yeah, okay. Her husband's a jerk. She is a crappy Frankenstein-looking husband. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so many fun things. But why does she even have a husband? It is a completely useless character. But Jack Claff, the actor who plays him, 
is fun to talk about. Okay. Well, we'll talk about him. Okay. It's a boating day. It's a regatta day. Yeah. And everyone and his wife is here, <laughs> including Tom Barnaby. And Joyce and Cully. And as is typical, whenever they go anywhere, there's a crime so that Tom can ditch them. <laughs> Which they even joke about. Like, So this oh. is filmed at 2004 Henley Royal Regatta, right? So we know the dates it was filmed because the regatta is the 3rd to the 7th of July that year. Started in the 26th of March in 1839, even before it was a royal thing. Oh. It became the Royal Regatta. Now, regatta is a term that doesn't always refer to rowing competition, right? You can have a yachting regatta. Yes. It's, you can have a sailing regatta. It's a celebration of boats. Yeah. It's I a think. boating event of any kind. And you that, think they have like paddle boat regattas? And the, the Canoe other regattas? Maybe. <laughs> Kayak regatta. The thing I read about this regatta, the Henley regatta, is uh, in 1919, they had a big one. They called it the Freedom Regatta that year. Uh, and it was like the country came together to have a celebration for the end of the First World War. So last year's regatta was the 100-year anniversary of it. Oh, wow. So, That's awesome. So maybe 2021 will be another big year because it'll be the Coronavirus Freedom Regatta. <laughs> Hopefully. Gosh, I hope so. One would hope. And. So the regatta is the event that everything is centered around. It's, you know, most of the episode occurs at the regatta. And because we know this is the Henley Royal Regatta, it has a schedule. I looked up the 2019 schedule. Yeah. To see what the daily events look like in hopes that that would sort of assist us in figuring out. No. What days things happen on in this episode. And like... There is one shot that shows the regatta and then shows them taking Guy Sweetman's body away from the water. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, the other shots are completely like, here's a, a regatta shot. Right. right? They're like B-roll shots. So there yeah. is one shot, at least one, that they filmed during that race. Wouldn't there be people being like, oh, I'm in a fancy hat. Is that a body over there? <laughs> there are. It's Barnaby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's begin to talk about what day it is. Okay, <laughs> so and you know what? We're the only two people in the world who give a shit about what day it is in the midsummer <laughs> episode. Everybody else just rolls along, going, yep. "Yeah," and then this happened and that happened and whatever. But you and I are like, "Is it Saturday? Wait is it Wednesday? Yes. <laughs> Has Barnaby slept? Has he eaten in three days? We're worried about nobody him. changes their clothes when." George gets the body out of the water. It's Guy Sweetman takes so, the body out. <laughs> okay. So he goes, it's a man. And both Sarah and I in our notes both wrote, it's a sweet man. Because <laughs> <laughs> the dead body is Guy Sweetman. They make so many references to his name. So that you have to know. Anyway, okay, wait a minute though. It's okay. another thing so, about this episode. But wait, let me finish my point about okay. what day it is. What day damn it. Is it. George gets the body out of the water. Okay. Tom, of course, says initial thoughts. And George says, Yes, he's dead. Right? Yes. You're being super snarky. Tom says, When do you think he died? And he and George says he died late on Friday, early on Saturday. Okay? Which means this cannot be Friday or Saturday. Because he would have said, he died last night. If it was Saturday, he'd say he died sometime last night. 
So it must be Sunday because Tom's off work. So not only was Guy Sweetman, the chairman of the regatta, missing the day of the start of the regatta, but missing the day before the start of the regatta. Unless the regatta started on Friday. (laughs) So he could have kicked off the regatta in his role as chairman and then later that night been murdered. Okay, so... If that's true, we kick off the regatta and then we go to the Annabelle Jane Jane and have our hissy fit. And then we we do regatta stuff the whole next day. And no one's like, where's Guy? Not that we know of. <laughs> Nobody seems to be wondering about him. There are some problems there. I know. And isn't it convenient that he just rolls over in the water? It is. To show his face. Of course, Tom immediately starts questioning people, including Philip Trent, who's the big asshole of the episode. Everybody loved Guy Sweetman, though he tried it on with everyone. He seems to not have any endearing characteristics whatsoever. No one does in this episode. Name a likable person in this episode that isn't Tom Barnaby. I know. Well, and Philip Trent starts his conversation with Barnaby with, look here, Inspector. Yeah. And you know, anything that comes after that, not going to work. Yeah. Tom's going to punch him right in the face. Certainly Scott is, because he's violent. Tom's not going to. He's not violent. Look here, Inspector. Guy would have wanted us to go on. So we had a discussion about this phrase, right? <laughs> this is the ultimate argument ending phrase. And we saw it in the Christmas episode. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> What's her face I, want says, this thing I know to Lydia's happen. dead, but she would have wanted us to have Christmas. I want this thing to happen, so I'm going to say he would have wanted it. And what are you going to do? No, he, he wouldn't. Because Nuh-uh. you don't know, because it's a dead body, right? <laughs> and there really isn't any reason to stop the whole event because no. of one man, even if he was the chairman. No. But nobody at the boating club seems remotely sad that the chairman of the club has died. No, no one is remotely sad about are any people part who of are this. into rowing this black hearted that and the chairman of the club that they're all dedicated to and that they just love to hobnob in is dead and it doesn't matter. And it's like it's like there is the implication that these are rich people. Mm-hmm. Right. But they all seem hard up. Yeah, well, a lot of rich people are actually broke. In their million-dollar houses. Yeah, but they're actually broke. A lot of rich people are actually broke. I guess. Always have been kind of flummoxed by how they find the body in this episode, right? So the veteran team is rowing, right? And then suddenly, one of the rowers just falls out of the boat. Yes. You're like, okay, he couldn't have seen the body at that speed. No. It's floating below the surface of the water initially and floats up when they And they didn't find it the whole day previously? Right. Right. So days days and nights, man. (laughs) (laughs) So I was looking into like rowing terminology and things that can happen on a rowing boat like this with the team. And apparently if a rower doesn't clear the water when they lift their oar and go back for the next stroke, if they let it drag at all, it sort of serves as like a parking brake. Oh, right. It could cause the whole boat to sort of spin. Oh, if it's like an immovable thing that the oar hits. It just jostles that person right out of the boat. So maybe that's what happened. They're lucky the whole boat didn't go over. Well, they do have a boating uh, aficionado person to talk to about things like that. We'll get to him later. (laughs) So they find Guy. He's a sweet man. He's dead. 
Yep. Slept with everybody. Go tidy his desk. But the the regatta should go on. Go tidy his desk. His creepy desk? In his creepy office? So his office is huge, first of all. It's bigger than any room in our house. If that whole room is supposed to be his office, yes. And then he has stairs up to a pedestal area where his desk is. Like the prow of a ship. Now, what are the pictures on your desk? I have a picture of us and yep. of the kids and the dog. and I got a picture of the kids. I got one of you. You know, I do not have a picture of myself on my desk. <laughs> Kai Sweetman. Just me. Has a little old picture of himself right there. Alone. So that he can look at it and go, oh, look, I'm the man. Look, look at this sweet man. <laughs> it just happens to be me. Is that sweet man with an E? We haven't got there yet. We know that. Yes, he's slept with Claire and Hetty, at least. Yes. and But now he's got a girlfriend named Sandra Tate, who he's more dedicated to than he has been in the past. But we don't know where Sandra Tate is. No, well, she's actually, missing. we do. She's on another television show, but she gets here eventually. There's a problem with where she's at. Yes. Tom starts making the rounds in the boating club. Yes. He's, he talks to Vic Linton, who's the steward of the boating club. Yes. Who says that... He observed these guys meeting on Trent's boat and having an argument. Vic should be renamed Vic Throw Me Under the Bus. Yes. Because he gets thrown under the bus multiple times in this episode and does nothing but help people. He sees how many people on the boat? He sees three, but he thinks there's a fourth. So who's the fourth? Is it Ivan? Yes. The guy who owns the jewelry shop? Yes. Not Claire. Not Claire. Claire's never on the boat. Claire is never on the boat. But she's key to the robbery. She, it's her idea. She's the ringleader. Wait, wait, wait a minute. She can't be the ringleader if she's not involved even remotely. <laughs> you guys go do a crime and give me all the money, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to be involved, but I came up with the idea, so you got to pay me. Yeah. It's like she's trademarked robbery. (laughs) I get a cut anytime somebody robs somebody. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Makes no sense at all. Pickpockets stop by to give her a percentage of everything they steal. Now, Claire is also a coach of Henry. Yes. Who she compares to Steve Redgrave. Who's a famous rower, right? So, so Steve Redgrave, Sir Stephen Jeffrey Redgrave, C-B-E-D-L, is a British retired rower who won gold medals in five consecutive Olympic games from 1984 to 2000. Okay. He's a spectacular rower. He also won three Commonwealth Games gold medals. Now, for our American listeners, Commonwealth Games are the Olympics you're not invited to. <laughs> That's what it is. Who gets to go besides UK countries? Former UK countries countries. they they colonized. Okay. So all of the the former British Empire countries. Yes. Okay. And they're not bitter about it? No. We win a bunch of medals. Canada loves the Commonwealth Games. Like, does India participate? Yes. And they're not bitter about it? No. Okay. I think I'd be better about it. All of the Commonwealth countries, except for the United States, because they got upset and left. Yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) Look how that's worked out for us. It's so funny. You talk about the Commonwealth Games here and Americans are like, what? We've never heard of that. It's like, it's it's huge in Canada. And it's everybody but you. Yes. (laughs) Thanks. America. 
Never, never mind the fact that we clean up in medals. Then, uh, of course, you like. By it. the way, Britain wins a lot of medals in the Commonwealth Games. I'm not surprised. Uh, and also nine World Rowing Championship golds. So she's setting the standard pretty high for Henry. But we see Mr. Redgrave later on. Yes, but Claire obviously has very high hopes for Henry. Thinks that he's going to be an Olympian. Obviously, he should not be distracting himself with girls like Hetty. Who is another character who I'm like, why is she even there? She's completely unlikable. Yeah. She lies to Barnaby right away. Really, Vic is the only likable guy, and they try to make us not like him. And, okay, normally, Scott would be eyeing Hetty like a crazy man, because remember... He, he's in love with everyone in his skirt, and he doesn't even pay attention to her. No, because she comes across as snobby right away. Yeah. So one of the things they find is his little black book. Guy's little black book. When they go to his house. Which, I'm sorry, Sandra was living with him for a couple of weeks. Yes, she had moved out because she'd given him an ultimatum about the robbery. But if he was in love with her like he says so and like was willing to change his ways because of her... Why would he keep his little black book? With 500 names in it. What has this dude got going that I don't see? I do not know. Little he's, black books. Hold on. He's played by Benedict Blythe. Yeah. Um, who's had a long acting history. Surprisingly, he's played Nazis a lot. Wow. Even though he's British. He was like born more, in London. More than Max von Zito? Yeah. Wow. I think it's because he's blonde. Yeah, that works. He's trimmed. He's like in this episode tall, for two blonde. minutes. Yes. He's been typecast as a Nazi. No. Oh, well, Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> but it's not in a, this episode. No. Nope. He's a sweet man. He's a sweet man. Nazis are not sweet men. No. Little black books. They're a stupid, weird thing. They're gone completely now. Right? This notion that you write down all your conquests in this little journal and put notes about each of them. Well, I thought it was an address book. That's what normally people see is that you only put the names of people that you've slept with in. Like you have to have two address books, one for everybody else and one for the people you slept with. Yeah. (laughs) That's hard to maintain. So I went down (laughs) a bit of a rabbit hole about little black books. Oh yeah. (laughs) The first one, uh, in 1536 royalty, including King Henry VIII kept a literal black book of people who did sinful crimes. Now that, I can see. Like, you're in my black book. Yeah. Like, you're in my bad book. Yeah. So when does it become a list of people who've done bad things to a list of people you've done the bad thing with? No, no <laughs> one's sure. It's one of those, like, cultural phenomenons that changed, but nobody wrote down why it was changing and when it changed. Hmm. Okay. So we go to Claire's house, and something's up. Yeah, she lies really badly. She lies to them, and then when sh- they leave, Freddie comes out. Yeah, she's like, oh, he's at our home in Malta. And actually, he's hiding right around the corner in the hallway. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was worried that he was going to flush the toilet or something. If they had actually stayed for the coffee that she makes, he would have been standing in the hallway with that box in his arms for like half an hour. (laughs) He's lucky that they leave. And then they go to uh, Guy Sweetman's house. Yes. Right? You've mentioned the little black book. But what you didn't mention about that is Mrs. Sharp. How can you not mention Mrs. Sharp, the okay. woman who does not live up to her name? She doesn't live up to her name? She says, oh, we were, we were very good friends. No. I don't know what they did for a living. Or I don't know where they're from. I don't know how tall they were. Have or their phone number really or anything. anything. They were human. 
But we were really good friends. Yes. <laughs> but so Mrs. Sharp is really a cameo. Oh, it is? And she's an important cameo. Okay. She's played by Janet Brown. Okay. Who, I don't know, British people our age might not really know who she is, but their parents certainly would. She was, um, she died about four years after she was in this episode. But she had this super long career of being a comedian, especially an impressionist. Oh. And she is an impressive impressionist. Oh, okay. I watched a video of her on like a, an interview, like a variety show. And the host is just saying, oh, and I loved it when you played this character. And she just goes into that character. She just starts talking as that person and this person and that person. What she's best known for at the end of her career is playing Margaret Thatcher. Oh. And she actually plays Margaret Thatcher in For Your Eyes Only. Oh. At the end of the movie, yeah, um, the prime minister calls MI5, MI6 um, to congratulate Bond. And so Q and the guys in the lab are like trying to connect the phone, but it doesn't quite work. And so there's actually a parrot on the other end of the phone line. And she talks to the parrot about, oh, congratulations, Agent Bond. You know, the country owes you a favor. And if there's anything I can do. And yeah. he's like, the parrot's like, squawk, I did it. Whatever. I don't know. And she's like, oh, yes, you certainly did. You know, that's, that's she's her. really known for that. And that is Janet Brown. Yeah. Oh, so it's a bit of a goof that she doesn't remember anything and. Like everybody should be recognizing her. Exactly. Yeah. And she um, kind of like Burns and Gracie, the, the, you know, they had that long, they were married and they had kind of a long running career together. Yeah. She was married to a man named um, Peter Butterworth, who was also a comedian. And they did a ton of stuff together. They were such a cute couple when they were young. Oh. You got to see a picture of them. That's, I'll put a picture in the show notes. Yeah. So she says that Sandra lived with Guy for two weeks and then moved out on the Friday. Yes. The day that he died. And now, right after that, Claire and Henry are at her house practicing. Yes. Doing a workout. He has a weird, like he lives in the house and he has a gym in the house. And I think he kind of lives in the gym in the house. I think he has a very large bedroom, including his gym equipment. Yes. In the house. But this is the same day. We are still on the same day. That guy's body was found. Yes. So we're still on Sunday at this point. And Joyce and Cully are still hanging out at the regatta at this point. Yeah. And then they decide to, to walk to Morton Fendel and catch a bus home. Okay. Now, that's the day. That's day one. Okay. The next scene is back at the regatta. Hetty walks up to Philip at the boating club and asks him about going to Bali. And he says, good morning. Okay. So, so we're now we're on day, day two which I think is Monday, because I think they yes. found Guy on Sunday. We got a next day thing here. Okay. Yes. She wants to go to Bali, and she wants 800 pounds to go. The cheapest flight I could find from London to Bali was 500 pounds. Wow. Well, it's cheap there, I guess. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Even with the adjusting for the time between when the episode was filmed and aired and now... The flight still would have been about 400 pounds. So, so she's going to go for two weeks to Bali and have 400 pounds to do all of her dining and, and hotel and everything. She is a bargain traveler. It, I had another question here. She says, you should talk to mom. We don't know anything about her mom. Nothing. Except that obviously she's a pain. Yeah. 
and that they don't like her because she's stirring up trouble, Philip says, or something like that. Yes, but the next person he goes to see is Claire. So at first I was like... Is Claire her mom? Yeah, I thought that. And then it made it so weird that she was getting it on with Henry and Hetty was getting it on. No, no, no. No. Claire's not her mom, but it weakly implies that. And the whole thing with Claire and Henry... So Diana Quick, who plays Claire, awesome actor. She's been in everything. She's in another episode of Midsummer called Habeas Corpus. Okay. That's a 2016 episode. She went to Oxford with Michael Palin. Okay. And was in um, the first show that Monty Python really had before they called themselves Monty Python was a show called um, The Complete and Utter History of Britain. Okay. Which was like a 30-minute parody history show. Yeah, we it, saw one of those. So Shakespeare funny. And, and, she's, and she's in all of them. Yeah. So she's clearly friends with all of them. Then she had a long-term relationship with Albert Finney. Oh, They nice. didn't get married, but they were together for a long time. She has a daughter with Bill Nighy, though they were never married. Their daughter's an actress. Wow, she she knows everybody. Oh, she's, yeah, she, she's been part of the... The movers and shakers for a long time. And so she's the famous person who's the murderer in yes. this episode. Yeah, absolutely. At the time of the filming of this episode, she was 58. Okay. I, I, I hope I look half as good as she looks at 58. She looks pretty good at 58. Now, Owen Yeoman, whose name I have trouble saying, who plays Henry. Well, Mrs. Yeoman, how should we name our child? Hmm. How about Owen? Owen Yeoman. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Let's go with that. That sounds great. Um, he he's twenty six. Okay. So there's thirty two years difference between them. She is more than twice his age. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to work, but hey. <laughs> so it's implied that she snogged him before. Snogging is just kissing. No, I know, but there's been some rumpy pumpy before. I think so. And Hetty too. Yes. Who's so desperate to get rumpy pumpy, she'll do it on a boat covered with rats. (laughs) That's pretty desperate. Owen Yeoman, his very first movie or TV role was as Lysander and Troy. Okay. That was his like big breakthrough role. And this is his second role. Oh, he's not bad. Oh, he's been in tons of things since. Yeah. And does all kinds of stuff for PETA. Oh. He's a very big promoter of PETA. Okay. So they go to Parkway's house. Yes. Now Parkway, okay, the people that Vic saw on the boat were Parkway, Trent, and Guy Sweetman. Yes. Right? And he thought there was a fourth person, which was Ivan. We're pretty sure it was Ivan. Yeah. Right? Who's the jewelry store owner. Yes. So they go to Parkway's house. Now Parkway is a school teacher. He's not like the rest of them. He's not Richie Rich or in debt, but looks Richie Rich. Yes. He's a common guy. Yep. And when they come to his house, there's a kid there and they're exchanging money and the kid takes off on his motorcycle, practically, practically knocks Scott to the ground to take off on his motorcycle. And Parkway says, well, he's one of my former students and I loaned him money to buy his motorcycle and he had come to pay me back. What's his last name again? Cook. With an E? With an E. Cook with an E? Yes. With an E? Yes. Cook. From now on, he is David Cook with an E. It, it, they say it like six times in the episode. And yet we don't know why. No. It, there must be a scene that was cut where there was a joke made about the E. Or something. They tried to find him in the database and they couldn't. And then they realized, oh, he's got an E. Something. There must have been something that they were referring to that just it 
So it just goes over our heads. Anyway, no. he's cooked with an E. Yeah. But in reality, he wasn't paying him back. Parkway was actually giving him money because Cook with an E is blackmailing him. Yes. Over his participation in a pornographic video when he was young. And he works at Midsummer Sawmills with all the heavies. Yes. <laughs> Parkway says that the argument on the boat that Vic Linton saw was about the fact that Philip hadn't, or Guy Sweetman hadn't um, got the trophies back from the prior year's regatta winners. Yeah, they don't hand out trophies. They hand out medals. Well, they got trophies, apparently. Okay. And they didn't get them back. Nope. So they're going to have a big fight about it. Clearly, they've rehearsed this answer. <sighs> yes. Parkway is terrified. Yeah. So then we're back at the regatta, and Claire says something weird here, where she says she never wanted to be governor of Costas College. Which we think is where she met Henry. Which is the only mention of her being a teacher ever. She's not a teacher. She's a governor. Well, one would assume that she worked up to be the governor of Costin College. No. By starting as a teacher. No, you're confused about what governors are. Okay. And I was too. I had to look it up. Okay. So a gov- if it's a state school, mm-hmm. like Costin College is, obviously, it's a public. Yeah. Governors are like the board of directors. Okay. And so some of them are teachers, but some of them are people from the community, local politicians. And so her being a governor at the college just means that she was a person of standing in the, in the community that they thought okay. would be beneficial to have as an advisor okay. to the college. Henry sneaks upstairs and the whole episode at this point becomes soap opera. Yes. Somebody heard this and... I heard what you said about Hetty and blah, 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 blah. And she's loaning money to everybody, but doesn't have any. Well, because she knows she's going to get a bunch from the robbery that she planned, but is not doing anything for. Okay. So when Trent comes to borrow money from her, why doesn't he say, you know, I'll get you back after the thing. I'll pay you back after the thing. Like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, we're going to have some money soon. Because? At this point in the story... Nobody had thought that Claire was involved in the robbery yet. Yeah, this might be the first draft of the script. Yeah, <laughs> this scene anyway. I don't know why Trent needs money. And it's he really has a- her husband who has all the money. Yes. I don't know why Trent needs money because he has a part-time job. Mm, he plays piano. At the Seven Seas. He seems to enjoy it too. He does. But you know who doesn't enjoy things is Cully and Joyce because they know this is another dinner stakeout in reality. Why don't they just accept it? As soon as they know Scott's coming, they should be like, oh, this is a work thing. And the, the steak and palm frites that the guys order looks pretty good. Yeah. It made grilled, me want palm frites. Grilled mushrooms. Yeah. They confront Trent. He gives them the exact same line verbatim that yeah. Parkway gave them. Yeah. So then they decide, hey, if he's here, he's not on his boat. The Arabella Jane. So we should go check out his boat. People do lock their boats. Not this boat. The rats keep it open. <laughs> they, they pick the locks and open it up. I mean, boats like that can be secure. People live on boats like that. They can lock. Yep. But nobody does, apparently. Not, not in midsummer. They head on down to the boat. Is this where they get caught on the boat by Hetty? And- they almost get caught. Yes. Yes. And it's dark. No, it's, dark. it's so dark. It's nighttime now. Yes. Okay. And Scott says he's the luckiest man alive. Because Henry's too afraid of rats to go have sex with Hetty on the boat. Whatever. It's like, huh, how do we get Henry not on the boat? He's afraid of rats. Why didn't they go to Hetty's place in the first place? She has She's an apartment. A, she has a flat, probably above the lingerie shop. <laughs> we'll get there. 
It's an essential service. Yes. <laughs> Femme fatale. <laughs> By the way, it's not actually called Femme fatale. I don't know what it's actually called, but the businesses named Femme fatale in the UK are not that business. <laughs> Did you have some Google trouble there? Oh, my. Yes. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Day two yes. begins with Philip Trent greeting Hetty. Good morning. Yes. And ends with Tom and Scott hiding on Trent's boat in the dark. The next day. So this is Monday? No, this is Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday. I have a common rich person midsummer comment here. Do you know what it is? Mm. Do these people not have jobs? <laughs> They take the week off for the regatta because now we're on semifinals day. And I'm wondering if Claire lives on an island. No, she just lives on the other side of the river. And it's more trouble than it's worth to walk back to your car, drive over the bridge and go to the other side of the river. It's just an excuse to have Barnaby and Scott in a boat. That's all it is. And yet they borrow a launch from the boating club called Le Amazon. Yes. But that's not the boat they're on. No. <laughs> when they're constantly paddling back and forth to Claire's. No, that becomes another boat. The map in the episode magazine is a little wonky. And even when Henry shows up on the day that he wins the big race and he's bringing a lobster thermidor to make for Claire. Yeah. He even parks on the other side of the river and takes the boat. Yeah. He lives there. Why doesn't he ride his motorcycle to the house? Because Claire's borrowed it. Oh. He's, no, he parks his motorcycle and then gets in the boat. I know. <laughs> and he just happens to have a motorcycle that is identical to David Cook with an ease motorcycle. Identical. There's only one motorcycle type that's sold ever. Is blue. Yes. With a black helmet. Black helmet and leathers. She's got her own leathers, so she must ride this motorcycle more often than... Okay. Those are some form-fitting leathers. Yeah, those are not the ones that Henry wears. When the le- when the when the individual who drives the motorcycle attacks Becky Sharp or whatever her name is, Sandra Tate. Sandra Tate. <laughs> there are no boobs on that person. And Diana Quick has, has some boobs. boobs. Yes, yeah. her boobs are featured throughout the episode. Yes, like there's no amount of tape that's going to cover that. No, your leathers cannot be that tight. No. She couldn't breathe. <laughs> Maybe that's why she's gasping for air. <sighs> so Scott breaks into her house. Yes. Finds Freddie. Yeah. Freddie's like, why are you in my house? And he's like, well, let's go down to the station and talk about it. Right. <laughs> Which is the great, a good response when you've been caught doing something you shouldn't and you're a policeman. Yeah. Um, these people owe me like 80 grand. I think. I don't ever expect it. Do to you get not it back. write this down, man? Oh, he does. All of his paper business records are right there. Yes. And all of those boxes. Crusader Holdings. So he's like a venture capitalist or an investor or something. I guess there's no fire in our marriage, so there's no jealousy. <laughs> With all that paper, it's surprising there's no fire. Freddie has been arrested before. Yep. For fraud. Yep. Which you would not think would be a good thing on your history if you're an investment banker of some sort. Nope. Malicious wounding. Yep. And ABH. ABH. Which is not GBH. GBH is grievous bodily harm. ABH is aggravated bodily harm. Uh, Yes. ABH. Which is less than grievous. Yes. Right? We would call that like fighting. What would be, what would the U.S. charge be for ABH? Assault? Assault. And then what would GBH be? 
A deadly assault. Uh, or assault with a deadly weapon. So he's done some bad things. Yes. And that's why he wants, to, he, he just wants to cut loose from Claire and go back to Malta. Yeah. And do his money stuff. Yeah. And I understand why he wants to get away from her. I don't like Freddie. No. But I don't like Claire. No, I don't like anybody in this episode. And I don't care how their marriage is. If they're living in the house that he's paid for and she's got her boy toy living there too, I'd want to leave. Yeah. I'd be ready to go. Especially to go get a haircut because he needs one. <laughs> the guy who plays Freddy, his name is Jack Claff, I mentioned earlier. Yeah. He was in Star Wars 4, A New Hope. He was Red 4. Yes, he was. One of the pilots yep. that fires on the Death Star. Another Star Wars reference. He's also got another, we got another James Bond reference here. He plays a henchman called Apostas in For Your Eyes Only. He's not odd job special. He's no. not like Jaws special. He's a henchman who's a driver and a killer, but he's just like a guy. Yeah. But he's called Apostas. But for the last 10 or 15 years, he's held professorships. Oh. He was a, he's had four visiting professorships at uh, Princeton. Oh. And he's also taught at Oxford, Cambridge, Imperial College, London, and Boston College. Acting, or does he teach something else? No, he does stuff about science. Oh. Like the connection between science and politics or science and philosophy. Oh, he sounds like an interesting cat, that's for sure. He was, for three years, from 1996 to 2001, he was the professor of the public understanding of science at Star Lab, which is an international think tank based in Brussels. Oh. He's He's an impressive dude. He is a smart dude. Does he have a PhD? Not that I know of. Okay. But between doing that and going to all the fan conventions for Star Wars and James Bond, he's yeah, a busy dude. He is a busy dude. And I, he probably finds time for haircuts now. Yeah, hopefully. They go find David Cook with an E at the sawmill. Well, at Claire and Hetty, there's one thing. Before we get to the sawmill, he, Claire and Hetty are talking about the semifinal. And she goes, I'm not saying it's your fault, but it's your fault. Claire? Yes. Yeah. And this is where I first noticed the tags. Yes. So what you noticed are little cord loops through buttonholes on people's jackets, and you thought they were tags, like sales tags? I was like, did they not take the tag off her dress? No, it's their IDs (laughs) for the regatta, because they're regatta officials or whatever. Yeah. And the the boat that um, Tom and Scott borrow- To go to- The Amazon. The Stevens. It um it doesn't have a seat. No. It has a wicker chair. Yes. In it. <laughs> I have how are they sitting in this boat? <laughs> Scott's driving and he's just sitting in a chair that's yep. sitting in the boat. Yep. And they go to the Stevens, who are just Mr. and Mrs. Stevens. Man, I want to know more about them. They are so awesome. Well, he's the chair of the River Watch. Yes. yes. We just get this little taste of them, but she's like, I guess I'll get some clean towels. Would you, you know? like some fresh towels? Like, like, what were they up to? They're they seem to be like awesome. trying to hide something, but yeah. not. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> and their room is awesome. Oh, there's so much stuff there that we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. After they leave the Stevens, they walk to the wood shop. Yes. Okay. Because their car is on the other side of the river. And we all know how much trouble it is. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, a sawmill takes trees and makes resources of lumber. 
Yes. Like two by fours or four by eights. Mm -hmm. But our boy, Cook with an E here, is he's putting something together. He's using a pneumatic nailer to attach like one by twos to a frame. Don't understand it. And he's not building something that is used in the sawmill. Like something to connect a bunch of logs together so they can be shipped out or I don't. It looks like he's building a box frame for a bed. It's so weird with all the other heavies there. And I noticed everybody knows about the murder, too. Oh, yes. And these guys would not care about the boating club. They would hate everybody involved in it. Not not at all. And we find out that. Cook with an E has been blackmailing Parkway over an adult film. Yes. Which belongs to his dad. Yes. So Cook with an E borrows his dad's porn VHS. Oh, watches yeah, it problems and here. sees his former teacher in the video. Yes. How do you react? Uh, blackmail. <laughs> That's your first thought right away. Ooh, cool. I can blackmail him now. Yeah. So Vic makes a call. He keeps calling Sandra's parents to find out where she is because she's his ex-wife. Okay. So there are problems here. (laughs) I looked. There is a phone in the bar. Mm -hmm. There is a phone beside the phone that he uses. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't choose those phones. He goes right for the pay phone. He doesn't want a record of his call or he doesn't want to put it on the tab because it's a long distance call. Her parents live in France. To France. He uses the Solitaire 6000 payphone. Oh, you're such a nerd. I am such a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a weird payphone. It's a payphone that sits on a desk. Yeah. Okay. Not in a booth. So this could never happen in America. But this happens all the time in England. Because think about it. It's a payphone. It's full of money. All it is is plugged into the wall. And nobody takes it. You could hoof that thing so easily. Because it's in the in the boating club. It's a fancy place. It's Who a, would do that? It's this coin-operated Solitaire 6000 payphone. I think they used to have phones like that in hotel lobbies a lot. Uh, that's where they're mostly sold. Yeah. I looked up the Solitaire phone page. He's calling France. Yeah. To reach Sandra's parents. But we don't know that he's calling his parents. He's like, you should know where she is. She No, he says you're her parents. The, he, does he say that here? Oh, yes, he does. Yes. Right here. But she is with her parents. Yes. At that point in time, she's still That's with her parents. That's where she is. Yes. And they're lying? I guess so. But when he says... Je ne pas vous where Becky Sharp is. Sandra Tate. He, he's telling her, he's saying somebody has died here. Her boyfriend has died. Yes. I'm worried about her. And they're saying she's not here. And not telling her, hey, he keeps calling you because your boyfriend's dead. Wouldn't they know Vic already? He married her. They know him. Yeah. But they don't know Guy. And... Apparently, they divorced and are completely amicable. Why are they French? There's no reason for it. And not telling her why he's calling. Yes. Or she's lying about where she was. Yeah. There's problems. That's a big problem. Barnaby and Scott go to the school, the Morton Fendel School. The headmaster of the Morton Fendel School is C. Jones. It's not a sign. (laughs) But the movie he made, and this is 
a real quick thing, right? It's called Maids in the House. Maids, it maids. does not exist. There's no movie called Maids in the House. I looked. But I he does make reference to a movie that exists. He says it's not Emmanuel. Right. So Emmanuel was a 70s softcore porn movie that got a huge audience, right? Mm-hmm. It had uh, a woman named Sylvie Christelle in it. It's more of a like a young woman coming of age and not wearing any clothes movie. But I thought when Barnaby says, well, it's no Emmanuel, he's saying that it's not really all that pornographic. It's not even as bad as Emmanuel. No, I think he's saying it's not a great piece of film uh, like Emmanuel I is. see. He's not saying it's not, it's, it's not artistic is what no, he's no. saying. No, I like Emmanuel is like a well-made movie mm-hmm. and it showed in regular theaters. Yeah. But it, but it was controversial. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The actor who plays John Parkway, William Scott Mason, he was in Cold Comfort Farm. Oh. He played Beaky in Cold Comfort Farm, which that movie, if you've never seen Cold Comfort Farm, pause this, go watch it. Yes. It has everybody. Ian McKellen, Joanna Lumley, Kate Beckinsale, Stephen Fry, Freddie Jones, Rufus Sewell. I mean, you can just go on and on and on and on and on and on. So many people. And it's really good, too. It's so good. It's based on the book. It's really fun. He's in that. Yep. Great movie, great book. Joyce and Kelly are looking at boat listings. Kelly's putting her thumb on the prices. Yep. You know, for somebody who doesn't make any money, Joyce sure likes to try to spend it. She does. 35K for a boat? I know. And then... Jocelyn, the solicitor, calls. Yes, Jocelyn, the solicitor, who's in like four other episodes. He's not really in this episode, but he's referred to. Yep. He must be the busiest, oldest lawyer in Midsummer because he, he's everybody's yep. lawyer. He's everybody's he lawyer. He has Guy Sweetman's will. Yes. And tells Tom that he left everything to Sandra Tate. The, the guys who go up to the boat that Scott's watching are like in a pantomime of how not to act suspiciously suspicious. Like they're creeping. And looking all around. Okay, we'll go in the boat now. Yeah. <laughs> One at a time in full daylight. It and is exactly how you act suspiciously. Well, and anybody who's photographed from a distance through a long angled lens looks like they're doing something bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they, they could be eating an ice cream and it's suspicious. Yeah. I brought you some cake and coffee. Did Joyce make this? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do, do that, that to you. you. <laughs> That's such a good line. This is where... I really got to look at the Stevens's attic, this, their box room, yes. right? And Scott is looking through the camera. He's eating his cake. Then he sits down opposite Tom. And between them on the table that Scott was just leaning on is a box that says ACTO, A-C-D-O, in really big letters. And it has like a toddler, uh, an illustration of a toddler in like a cloth diaper. Yeah. And it says that, uh, it says Miracle Acto, 24 large packs. And then below that, keeps clothes gay. Yes. You want to make sure that your clothes are as gay as possible. <laughs> Acto is a washing powder. Yeah. It's one of the first that was safe for colors, but could get whites white. It's a bad name. Acto. I couldn't find whether it was an acronym for something or what, but yeah, Acto. After that, they go back to the station. Yeah. And the only reason I can think they do is because now they have a picture of Ivan, who they've never heard of, never had reference to, that except they m- there was a mysterious maybe fourth man on the boat. That Okay, 2004 color printers were not good enough to print out photos this large and be recognizable. 
Well, they have a lot of technology at the police station. I guess. So they go back to the police station to find out who this fourth man is. Yeah. And now, now it makes sense that the fourth man was hiding because the other three can be seen together, no problem. Yes. But as soon as you put Ivan Hawkins there, you yeah. know, ah, oh, they're going to rob his jewelry store, right? Yes. So he's hiding a little bit on the boat. Yep. Tom and Scott don't know who he is. So they go back to the station to try to identify him. Yes. And Tom falls asleep in the cafeteria. In the little cantina. Yeah. I don't know how he falls asleep, though, because there is noise in the background of this scene of people yelling, clapping, cheering, and singing. Something's going on. I think it's supposed to be the drunk tank. I think it's like regatta stuff on the drunk tank. Yeah. But the desk sergeant knows everybody. Everybody. He immediately identifies this guy. Yep. Because he tried to sell some uh, Cartier watches. And that is the end of that day. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> My next note is Sandra. That is Tuesday done. But I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Mrs. Dangerous. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Sharp tells her everything like right away, like with no scruples at all. What would you do? She comes home and would you say, oh, you're home? No, something. N- never mind. Uh, you should call the police. I guess. Why? I don't don't want to say. I mean, come on. She's got to tell her. And we find that Vic is the ex-husband. Yes. And she was born and brought up in France. (laughs) Which is why they can't find her. And Barnaby has his briefcase again. Important. There's stuff in it. Then they go to see Hetty at the lingerie shop. Now, they keep referring to the fact that Morton Fendel is basically locked down, closed, because everybody's at the regatta, and the business during the day just stops because of the regatta. But apparently, G-strings are in high demand during the regatta. They got to stay open. Fatale, which is the name of the store, does not exist. (laughs) I think it's just an opportunity for Scott and Tom to be uncomfortable. I guess. But they're not. But they leave like immediately to go have coffee with her. Well, they shouldn't interview her in the lingerie shop. I guess where they go to is 10 Butter Market. Ah. So the coffee shop they go to is across from 10 Butter Market because that's where uh, the Cottage Bakery, Four Golf, and Stalker and Company are. Oh, and those are real places? Those are real places. The Cottage Bakery's moved around the corner now, and there's another bakery there now. Uh, but yeah, it's the same place. It's 10 Butter Market, Tem, England. And I just thought, hmm, Butter Market. It sounds like a good place to go. Sounds isn't like it? a great place to go. <laughs> the Butter Market. Yep. Is that where they sell lingerie too? The butter I, market? I guess Aww. so. They sh- she stiffs them with the bill. Not a surprise. It's just, uh What is the thing on the hanger? Is that like a pair of underwear made out of two ribbons? I think so. Is that what she's carrying around? Yeah, I think so. I don't wear underwear like that. So I just feel like she picks up the most scanty thing she can. Yeah. To kind of wave it around to kind I of scare them off a little bit or something. Off. This day, which is Wednesday... Ends with Joyce and Tom watching Maids at Home. Okay, but before that... Maids in the house, sorry. Before that, Sandra's assaulted. Yes. Okay. And Mrs. Sharp saves her life. Yes, absolutely. And By just being nosy. She's not good with colors. <laughs> Who is not good with colors? It's, it was dark. Like, how does this woman survive the day? So (laughs) how does she not like accidentally kill herself making breakfast? We then move 
to the sexy music. <laughs> and, That's what the subtitling called it. And Tom and Joyce. Actually, Joyce is watching the, the porn before Tom gets there. Over his shoulder. Yeah. Well, he's watching now, it. He's watching it. And she comes in. Yeah. And he goes, this might be, you might not be old enough for this. Yeah. That's joking. Cute. And then he goes, maybe it's an early night. That's after they do the synchronized head tipping. Yeah. Like trying to make out what something is. Like, what is or that? How does how that work? How it's <laughs> I can't believe I wrote Tom and Joyce were a watch porn. <laughs> With mullets and flares. Plus, okay, 2004, who had a VCR? Really? <laughs> they do. They do. And that is the end of Wednesday. And that's what you do with evidence. You take get, it home and watch you it. You take it home and watch it because the boys in the, in the lockup aren't going to watch it either. No. At least he didn't send it back with Scott to watch in the Stevens' attic or something. The next day, the regatta that will not end. Yes. <laughs> so Scott's been on the stakeout all night. No, that was the night before. So this is finals day. Yes. And Tom suddenly realizes the most that Sandra is still... In danger. The most important day of the regatta. Let's yes. have a robbery that day. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're all like really, really important, important parts. Parts um, of it. But while everybody's at the regatta, we can go rob a jewelry store and nobody will notice. Well, if you don't want to go to our robbery, we're going to leave you in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you're going to run back to the regatta and everybody's going to go, where is everybody? And you're going to go, I have a little tag. It's a daylight robbery. This is the dumbest. Yes. So originally, Parkway, Trent, and Sweetman were all supposed to be involved in robbing Hawkins. Yes. Right, fake robbing Hawkins for the insurance money. Fuck robbing. (laughs) Fuck robbing. (laughs) Fake robbing. It's a pseudo-robbery. Pseudo-robbery. A faux robbery. Faux robbery. A faux heist. Yes. It's a small jewelry store. It's crowded. Three dudes would have been too much. Never mind if Claire had actually been involved, though she couldn't possibly be there because she's got to coach Henry. There's no way she would have not been there for Henry. Yes, because the scouts are coming. That's right. The Olympic scouts are coming. Yes. So they're going to Hawkins' place in full daylight in a car with the windows open, la, 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 you know, parking up behind. And of course, Tom and Scott know completely all about it. Because they know where Hawkins' shop is. And they know he's in financial trouble. And I know where Hawkins' shop is. And where is it? It is in Tem. It's 111 High Street, Tem, Oxford. Okay? How close is that to the butter market? A different town. Oh, okay. Different town. Now, this was a bit of an adventure because we see Healy Furniture and Carpets, which is no longer there. Healy Furniture and Carpets is in Cork, England now. Oh, they they moved. It's a different place. Cork, I Ireland? Assume. Yeah, Cork, Ireland. Sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. And then Honor Estate Agents. Honor with an U. Honor. Honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a word up above the shop is a six and a half bazaar. I don't know what that is. I think it's an address. Maybe. So, so I couldn't find it. I looked everywhere. Okay. And... Then I looked for jewelers in Oxfordshire uh-huh. because you can see the sign. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. And I knew that it ended with an R and a D. Okay. And there was a first word and a second word and then jewelry. So I went through all of the 
jewelry stores. You're insane. <laughs> Until I found Robert Gatward Jewelers. So that's absolutely the place. That is the store yep. that they pretend Hawkins yep. owns. That's, okay. They pretend it's closed for the regatta, even though the sign isn't there in the long shot, but is in there in the close up. Uh, Ivan Hawkins, by the way, is played by Sean Baker, who was in American Werewolf in London. Yes. I knew that. Uh, what role did he play? He was one of the guys in the pub. You're right. He's yeah. second dart player. Yes. <laughs> Which is such a title. Yeah. Second dart player. This robbery has some problems. Oh my gosh. It is so stupid. First of all, it's Henry's big day. Yes. He's in the finals. Yes. And the, the scouts are there. Yeah. But we're going back and forth between this and the robbery. Yes. Right? And it starts to build up tension. There is no tension being built up here. No. The lookout spots them as they go into the jewelry store. Now, And the lookout is a uniformed policeman who is taller than the brick walls and wearing his hat. Giant hat. (laughs) If they didn't see him, they are more stupid than I thought they were. Okay. So we're going to go in. Ivan, we're going to tie you up and pretend to rob your store. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to claim the insurance and we're going to sell the jewelry They're and fence get it, the yeah. insurance. Right. Right. So th- on paper, this seems like a great idea. Except it would take them months to fence all that jewelry. Yes. Yes. And the police would be on to them immediately. And fencing jewelry is not an easy thing. No, not and at all. And the insurance company is going to go, oh. Wait a minute. We've got the CCTV tape of your friend doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a note here that goes, I wonder if the jewelry store has video. Oh, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's Trent on the video. Yeah. And you have to wonder, was Hawkins setting them up the whole time? Possibly. But what does Hawkins get out of it? Well, that would be nothing, right? Because yes. he wouldn't get insurance money if they got all the jewelry back. Is he also snogging Claire? No. No, he was snogging Guy Sweetman. Okay. Like everybody else. <laughs> the idea is that they're going to rob the jewelry store. Yes. Claim the insurance, fence the jewels. Yes. And split the cash. Yes. Which is going to take months. Yeah. And this is Claire's idea. Right. Okay. And she's smart because she's like, rob the jewelry store while I'm coaching Henry. Everybody will know I'm there. So I'll have a good alibi. Yes. And I'll have nothing to actually do with the robbery. But clearly, all of you are honorable men and will split the money with me. Now, no. they had at least four meetings about this on Friday nights. They said they meet there every yeah. Friday night. Right. Said four. Yeah. Vic said four. And two other meetings that Scott films. Right. And a car right there. Yeah. Do you not think they could have figured it out by then? Well, hey, Trent's got gloves. Uh, uh, in four meetings, plus another two, plus a car ride, you would think that Ivan would mention, oh, wait a minute, there's a CCTV. You might want to wear a balaclava or something. <laughs> and when Trent starts smashing up the shop, well, first, so he he duct tapes Ivan up to make it look realistic, right? And then he seems to be going a bit far with it. He enjoys beating Ivan. And Ivan's like thinking, I've been double crossed here. Yeah. Which... Can't be the case because all he would have to do is say it was Philip Trent. Yeah. And I can prove it because these other people were in the meetings too. They could flip John Parkway and have no problem framing Trent for it. John Parkway would sing like a canary. He does. Yeah. Right? So Trent's double stupid because he thinks he's going to double cross Ivan and get away with it. And he's not. What do you expect from the piano player at the Seven Seas? 
So he duct tapes him up. He puts duct tape on his mustache. Would that not hurt like hell? I noticed that. I have Did a your mustache. face hurt? Yes, my face hurt. I've never had a mustache. Thank goodness, not yet. I'm not that no. old yet. <laughs> and you know, you got to pluck sometimes the odd hair, but um, and, and it even made my face hurt to see that duct tape. But there's Trent on the CCTV, and then he does the most dastardly thing ever. Okay. He smashes those glass cases. Yes. Using a, a clock, a carriage clock, a carriage clock. He's never watched Antiques Roadshow. No, he, hasn't. he doesn't know how valuable those things can be. <laughs> oh, I don't care what brand it is. You don't use a carriage clock as a hammer. It's wrong. It's just wrong. And then he comes downstairs and goes, Fiona, oh. what's her name from Antiques Roadshow? She just show up and go shame. <laughs> he comes back down the stairs. And he's like, oh, I guess I'm caught. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uniforms right behind him. At first he thinks he's going to run like, where do you think you're going to go? In the daylight. Are you going to jump into Arabella Jane and motor away? You'll never catch me, coppers. So there like. was so much things wrong with the robbery. And then Henry wins his race. And then I'm completely torn out about the robbery because suddenly there's a guy hugging Henry like they're best friends who we have never seen before. Out of nowhere, he's hugging And he's him. not one of the one of the scouts. No. Who is it? Uh, Steve Redgrave, who we talked about earlier, is one of the scouts. Ah. Obviously, somebody knows Steve Redgrave in this production is like, hey, we're going to do a Greg Atta show. You want to be on it? <laughs> Maybe he's part of that yachting club. Maybe, Maybe. I mean, not yachting, but that rowing club. You he know? could be. Then we've got the stakeout at the hospital. Yes. This is the third stakeout. Yes. <laughs> okay. The St. Anne's Hospital. It has a children's unit, day surgery, labor ward, neonatal, and wards number 20 to 24, and also a postgraduate center. I have no idea where this place is or what it's supposed to be. And it's just a village hospital. It's, it's just. It's small. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's really small. But they go They're, up to the eighth floor. <laughs> they do? They go the third floor. The third floor. Okay. It could have three floors because they're worried about Sandra. Yeah. Because whoever tried to kill her the first time clearly knew that she knew about the robbery. And so she may still be in danger. Yes. The first person who comes to see her is Vic. Yes. So, of course, they slam him against the wall. Vic's like. And accuse him of everything. She's my ex-wife. I like her. I brought her flowers. If my ex-wife was in the hospital, I would take her flowers. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially if she'd been attacked. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> We would go and see her and <laughs> make you sure she was okay. With me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so then they know, well, the killer still hasn't come yet. So now we got to stake out the hospital room. Yes. This tiny room. We're going to have Tom and Scott and Vic, three big dudes yep. hiding in the room. Okay. Who comes into the hospital in the middle of the night wearing full leathers and a helmet. Worst hospital security ever. <laughs> This is just a, an episode full of dumb they, crimes. There should have been a shot of her waiting at the elevator to go mm -hmm. up to the third floor. Like, still in the helmet, looking like Daft Punk. Yeah. Do, 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 do. And then we get the slow-mo reveal. Now, I thought for a second, maybe motorcycle couriers, which I have trouble saying, are more common in the UK. No. And so seeing somebody wearing a helmet... Making a delivery or something is more common there and Not less suspicious. And Claire brings a crowbar. <laughs> is carrying the crowbar when she enters the room. 
obviously carrying a crowbar. Okay. The best scene that was removed had to be with Claire with the visor down going to the elevator and pressing the elevator button to go up with the crowbar. Yeah. And then like, you know, kind of humming in the elevator to the elevator music, nodding at some orderlies, you know. Now, let us be clear. Let us be clear. No one has mentioned to Sandra that Claire had any connection with this robbery, right? That we know of. No one. As far as we know, Guy did not say, I'm going to rob his jewelry store with Trent and Parkway and Claire. Now, Claire is so conscious of what she's doing that she gets an alibi for the robbery. Yes. But without a second's hesitation, she tries to kill Sandra twice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But at least she does it at night. The second time. time. The second time. (laughs) And wouldn't you think in a town this small, you would know, oh, there's like five motorcycles in town. Cook with an E has one. Henry has one. Yeah. And is she riding Henry's motorcycle? She's riding Henry's motorcycle, but she's not fitting into his leathers. No. (laughs) I can't imagine how uncomfortable it would be to wear leather pants that were like a foot too long. (laughs) They'd be all gathered up around your legs. Never mind how poofy the chest would be when he wore that jacket. Yeah. But, you know, hey, hey, when he rides the motorcycle to the house and has the lobster thermidor ingredients, he does have the bag tucked in the jacket. Maybe he's using the boob room and the jacket to keep the groceries. For the, for the, wouldn't you, would you want the lobsters like right up in your chest <laughs> like that? A lobster stuffed leather jacket. <laughs> he's got a baguette and a lobster. I hope it's not a live lobster. The recipe in the magazine, of course. It's lobster thermidor. Lobster it's like thermidor. lobster au gratin, basically. Yeah. But that you know that thing would grab your nipple as soon as you put it in your jacket. <laughs> bad lobster. Bad. Ow, so, ow, 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 okay. Ow. Reverse. The scene is Claire in the leathers with the crowbar at the elevator with the lobster. <laughs> no, she would like. Pull the jacket out and like sniff inside and go, this smells weird. <laughs> this jacket smells, smells like, like fish. Lobster. Has there been a lobster in this jacket? Why didn't he just she, order? She just lobster? fishes a claw out of the armpit, you know, like, huh. Throws it down in the elevator. <laughs> Why didn't he order from Seven Seas? He wants to cook it for her. So she ditches him making dinner for her so she can go to the hospital and attack Sandra with a crowbar. My note on that is, isn't this your house? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm leaving. Okay. So So she's the killer and she's like, oh, Sandra ruined my life and Guy wanted to, you know, ruin the robbery scheme. So they're doing this interview. It's like a long thing. The interview is fairly long. And yeah. there's a flashback in it and everything. And at the very end, I know is wait a minute, there's a uniform guy in the background in the there. Dark. Just hanging it's out. It's a WPC her. and yeah. she's just looming in the dark. Yeah. Because it's one of those special interviews where they just have the spotlight on. Yeah. And Claire just, you know, she confesses to everything. But what is her motive? She claims basically two motives. Jealousy. One is jealousy, and two is she was protecting the robbery scheme, right? So Sweetman backs out and insults her, so she kills him, 
And then Sandra knows about the robbery, so she's got to go. But she also ruined Claire's life by taking Guy away from her. Who slept with him first, Claire or Hetty? What's the order? Uh, According to her, it was Claire, then Hetty, then Sandra. So really it was Hetty then. Yeah. That Claire should have been upset with. Yeah. But now Sandra is the woman that Guy is willing to settle down with. Maybe when your jacket smells like lobster, you just lose your mind. (laughs) All sense goes out the window. Yeah. Speaking of sense, the Barnabys are going to look for a boat. This is day six. Yes. This is Friday. This is a week after the murder. But it happened so fast that this boat is up for sale. It had to be more than a week. Maybe there's time that passed. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. Trent's got to sell his boat because he has no other assets and now he's going to go to jail. He probably yep. needs some money to pay for a lawyer. S-O-L-I-C-T-O-R. <laughs> Thank you, Trent. We know you can spell. You can't figure out that you're on camera, but... So here are questions I can't answer. Okay. If Guy was supposed to be on the veterans rowing team, who filled in for him at the race? Steve Redgrave. <laughs> They really should have won. Yeah. If Claire had a role in the robbery, why is she she so broke? If she's so broke that she's willing to be part of the robbery, then how can she be loaning money to people? Yeah. And why are they borrowing from her if they know she's broke and needs to be part of the robbery? And how can she be part of the robbery but never be part of the robbery? I don't know. Who should Claire have actually killed if she wanted to protect the plot? Ivan. Uh, Afterwards... But Parkway before. Yeah. She should have left Sandra in the hospital and have been attacking Parkway at that time. Yeah. If she really wanted to protect the plot. Because he's now backed out. Yeah. So he's a vulnerability. And he spills the beans like crazy. And what does everybody see in Guy? Doesn't seem that great. No, he's not. When he confronts Sandra and Claire, he's cruel. Yeah. And he's all buggy-eyed crazy. He's not like... I love her, and it matters to me. No, and that's he's like, why her not, parents are rich. Yeah, he's a jerk. And yet, you know, everybody's crazy about him. I don't get it. We don't have to even talk about the best corpse, because there's really only one. But there, the best appearance of Guy Sweetman as the corpse is when he's got all the gunk on him in the lab. In yeah. The, and there's um, uh, a story in the magazine from the makeup artist saying how many hours they spent making him look gross so he could be on screen for like two seconds. Yeah. So after the episode, after the credits. Okay. We know that Henry's going to Italy. Yes. Right. To be on the Olympic team. Be on the Olympic team. No reason why he can't. We know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Hetty, if she has any intelligence at all, is going to go with him because... She has nothing but her lingerie job now. Right. She has no chance at any money. No. The the her dad's gonna go to prison. Her dad's going to prison. Maybe she's selling the Arabella. Maybe. To get some money. Yeah. Either she, for him or for herself. Because who is Hetty gonna go to Bali with? Her friends, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Tom doesn't have to buy a boat. Nope. Tom because doesn't. Joyce is afraid of rats now. Ivan loses his jewelry store, I would assume. Yep. Freddie goes to Malta. Freddie goes to Malta. Parkway is okay. Yep. He's got his tape. He destroys it. Yep. The only tape. The only copy. That movie? I don't know. It's an old movie and the thread's kind of gone anyway. Doesn't work that way. Sandra now has a nice house, though she does have to live next to Mrs. Sharp. Yes. But Mrs. Sharp is not going to last because in my notes, Mrs. Sharp dies of dumbness. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think Sandra and the school teacher should get together. Parkway? Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy. He makes the right decision at a crucial time. He and Vic are the only two remotely likable characters. He gets out of the car at the right time. Yeah, he does. Even though it might mean that he can't afford to play his, pay his blackmailer and like, it might come out. Yeah. Like he knows that he's done some bad stuff, but he knows at that moment that's a, a boat too far. Yeah. And when they confront him, he tells them. Yeah. He spills the beans. Yeah. He does the right thing. Absolutely. Not oh. the best episode. We just don't know why Claire does it. She seems like a confident woman, an intelligent woman. And yet she pins her hopes on a man she knows is a womanizer who yep. dumps her for a younger model and a guy who's less than half her age, who clearly has a big, a big future in front of him that does not involve her. And Trent, who is a piano player. Yeah, just not people who you want to be associated with. No. And that is dead in the water. Yep. You can find us, Midsummer Maniacs, on Twitter, Instagram, and email. We often post in the Facebook groups on Midsummer and Acorn on Facebook. And I am now the moderator of the subreddit, and it's been going like crazy. It's good stuff. Awesome. Yes. Reminder, go check out Lovejoy, actually. It's a great podcast, and they're doing a great fundraiser. Yeah. You should support it if you like the podcast, which I think you will. And it's a great cause. Yeah. If you like us, you'll like them, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, Next episode is uh, season eight, episode three, Orcus Fatalis. It has the best opening scene. It's my favorite opening scene in Midsummer. They travel all the way to Southeast Asia. They do. Not. Not. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Barnaby and Troy, uh, Barnaby, not Troy.